episode 32. I'm your host, the double R superstar, Roy the Roy Rowe. I'm here with the professional, Blake Short. Tom Brady, I hope you're watching what I'm about to do to Bobby Lashley. And the unprofessional, Greg Oveson. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Today's news includes AEW injuries, the Bella Twins' new book, and more, all leading to our main event, the R&R Battle Royale featuring Raw, Dynamite, NXT, and SmackDown Live. First up, let's talk a little bit about our week. One thing I want to say is that this week, Rant and Rave Wrestling was followed by Sergeant Slaughter on Twitter. Nice. And it took everything in me not to block the bitch. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Sergeant Slaughter, and I don't appreciate the follow. Um, anybody watch uh, the new reboot of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? No, I have no, not. I did. I, I'm before we get too far off of what you just said. I'm really mad. I feel like you stole my thunder because I had it planned to say that this was Sergeant Slaughter's favorite podcast, but Roy's <laughs> about to block him, and you took it all away from me. Well, I apologize. You, you know, I, I can't hold on to emotion for too long. It's not in me. Uh, so, Frank, so Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil was on who wants to be a millionaire. Did he win? No, he did not do very well at He's all. He's not a real he doctor. Had, he, well, okay. So, first of all, the host, uh, I, I forget his name. Are you just still? No, that was the old host. Okay. There's, a, there's another since him, too. Anyway, he constantly was taking these jabs at Dr. Phil, talking about like kind of like not being a real doctor and uh, taking all of his people for rides and exploiting them for money, stuff like that. To the point that there were a few times where I was like, I think this guy really doesn't like Dr. Phil. And that point was really driven home after Dr. Phil lost, and it was the next contestant's turn, and he was still taking shots at Dr. Phil. Um... I want to talk to you guys about Colby for a second here, too. Our good friend Colby has been mentioned on the podcast here a few times. You see, we were playing some uh, some Smash, some Smash Bros on Monday, right? Uh, Captain Falcon's down air, which we refer to as the curb stomp. So, pretty easy move to see coming. It's not often that I hit it on too many people. Tell me why I think I got up to eight in a row on Colby this Monday. I was often curb stomping him before his character even got off the ground. To the point that I eventually said, okay, let's have some fun. And I threw him off stage and curb stomped him for the meteor smash. Um, I mean, I'll give him his props. He got, he got his dubs uh, in some of the matches we played. But there was definitely some pretty embarrassing outings for him. And I actually saved, I saved one of the replays for you guys because it got so bad. It was happening consistently throughout so many of the matches that I was just curb stopping him six or eight times in a row. And he just had no answer to it whatsoever. I, I got multiple kills by hitting the curb stomp into the up air. That's how bad it was. Um, and the only other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is the fact that my cats are now on a diet. So we've switched over to only giving them wet cat food at certain points of the day. They no longer have full-time access to the dry cat food, and they are going to be ripped by the time you guys come back over. Like, absolutely ripped. You think they interrupt the podcast now? Wait until he's snatching you up out that chair. 
Yeah, I'm I'm actually fearful of my life because the Fawful, who has had a rival with me from day one, we've had a rivalry, and I don't want to see a Rick Fawful. So to be I, fair, I'm okay with this diet. To be fair, Fawful has some boxing mitts on him. He does. But you know what? I, I am also dieting. So when we do get back together, I'd like to see who has made the most progress. And are between you and my cats. Yes. Okay. Well, so you let when we uh, figure something out there. You let Fawful know that I lost almost two pounds this week, and I'm gonna be shredded okay. by the time I see him. Well, trust me, I'll, I'll put that bitch on blast and I'll let him know. All right, good. So, other other than uh, that, what have you been up to for the last week, Blake? So surprisingly, I actually watched a lot of movies this week. That is, you know, I was just talking about how little you really sit and watch TV, San Antonio, because I was telling him about how incredible it was that you sat down and watched so much of Prison Break. So you just watch that series all the way through like that. In retrospect, is just astonishing. Yeah, that's. I think that and Walking Dead are the only two shows that I've ever binge watched like that. Prison Break was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. But I don't know, man. I, I got myself a little free HBO subscription earlier in the week, and I just started taking advantage of it, watched some movies. I watched Joker, which is probably the standout for me this week. Very good movie. Very interesting. A lot of things that were kind of neat to see. But outside of that, it was the usual. But I figured I'd definitely bring that up because you guys know as well as anybody that it's rare that I watch a lot of movies or shows. So this week, that was something that I did do, and I had I had a good time. So, speaking about movies and TV shows, uh, been been binge watching New Girl, um, and it may now be Lord, my top five favorites. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life, dude. It is so freaking good. It's so off the rails with half the shit that goes on. And I can't the other. So the other night Kim's watching it and I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, I even took a sleeping pill and could not stop watching the show. Watched it until almost one thirty in the morning. Uh, so Is that your guys first time uh, starting it. No, I so I used to watch it when it was actually on TV. Um, mm-hmm. So I would catch like when they would do marathons and stuff. But I've never actually like done the whole series. Um she started on episode one. I've may have missed a couple episodes here and there because she's watched it without me. But for the most part, she'll watch it while we're working. So I've been catching a lot more episodes. Um, and I absolutely love it. And I think that Schmidt is probably my favorite character. He oh, is absolutely. so off the wall. The, this guy bought an Schmidt aquarium and <laughs> tried to get an endangered fish in it. Um it's he's just he's off the rails um other than that it's been it's been a lot of work um everything like that doing school work with Caden um Kim's knocking that out of the park with him um not really much new haven't watched any like new movies or anything oh I'm also uh I'm also going through um Criminal Minds from episode one through um which is another one I'm really interested in all right a lot of a lot of binge watching all right, let's uh, let's jump into some of the news that we have today. There's really not a lot that was going on, which is good because it'll save us time to go over some of the uh, pay-per-view tonight. 
According to Wrestling Observer Live's Brian Alvarez, Matt Jackson is believed to have suffered a broken rib after a dive on Dynamite. Meanwhile, Ray Phoenix is banged up after his fall, but should be okay to work double or nothing Saturday, which we've actually found out since then that he's being replaced by Joey Janela, I believe. So that may be a little outdated. Uh, Britt Baker was also injured in her match on Dynamite, and Alvarez heard that it's probably a torn ACL, which could put her out of action for the better part of the year. Um, and so we we saw most of this as it happened on AEW. Not a great week for some of the wrestlers there. Uh, Blake, what were, your, what were your thoughts watching some of these injuries take place on AEW Wednesday? So the only one that I knew for sure was an injury was Brett Baker. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why they thought this spot was going to be a good idea in the first place. The way she was positioned wasn't really ready for Nyla Rose to be thrown on her. I don't really even agree with the spot in general in the first place. It was just kind of an unsafe move. You got two women trying to pick pick her up and then throw her on Baker in the corner. Of course, this is in hindsight after she's already been injured. It just didn't yeah. seem like a good idea to me at the time. I'm not surprised that she got injured after seeing how it happened. And I am... So disappointed because Brett Baker, I know you've said it, I've said, I think Greg even has said the same thing that we've really enjoyed Brett Baker lately. And I mean, this halts all that process a torn ACL, you're looking at at least nine months. And Uh, and so, so I'm no expert, obviously, and I haven't rewatched the clip or anything like that. But from what I saw, I think this, I think it was a, I think it probably could have been a pretty safe move. Um, it seemed like Britt kept panicking a lot about where she was going to put her legs. But I think the idea was that her legs were supposed to be completely separated. And they were kind of going to drop Nyla mostly on her back and shoulders onto the mat to kind of create the illusion. I mean, we've seen the move. We've seen the move before. And um, I don't know what happened. She, she decided to put that knee up and it just completely destroyed it. What about you, Greg? What were your thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. Um... The, the fact that she had her knee up and not flat, like, I don't, I don't know that she panicked as much as I don't, I don't know that she was ready for it. Um, Cause when it happened, it looked like she tried to get it out of the way pretty quickly. And that, that actually may have done more damage because it put it in a position where a lot of the weight did come down on it. Um, the Ray Phoenix one, I, I didn't actually see what happened, but I noticed while watching, he kind of stopped and just hung out outside the ring. So I kind of figured something was going on. Um, I didn't see the Matt Jackson one happen um, either. And I didn't even notice like anything after the fact, like when they were all standing there. I mean, the usual everyone's holding something because they're beat up, but that it was nothing out of the ordinary to me. To me. Uh, moving on, uh, on his podcast, Jim Ross said that Chris Jericho was supposed to be in the four-way main event of WrestleMania 2000, but Vince McMahon replaced him with Mick Foley because he thought that Jericho was too short. Now, I take this with a grain of salt because both Jim and Chris are the competition right now. So, like with anything, take it with a grain of salt. But the idea of somebody being taken out of uh, a match because they're too short is just insane to me. And then, uh, what a joke to see where Jericho ended up being, and to look back and think that your plan was, well, this guy's too short. 
I, I, that, I found that so hilarious. What do you, what is your opinion on this? And do you think that uh, WrestleMania 2000 would have been better with Jericho instead of Mick Foley? Well, or what do you for starters, for? yes. Uh, Mick Foley over, or Chris Jericho over Mick Foley any day. Uh, is Mick Foley not around the same height as Jericho anyway? Is it, you I, know, how, I wondered that myself. I, I feel like they're probably it actually. Yeah. What's the difference in their height? I don't know. You keep talking and I'll find out. Okay. So, like, again, I, it's weird. I don't know. Like you said, I'll take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, back then, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a Vince McMahon move. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a Vince McMahon move today. He's two inches taller. Oh, my God. Okay. So, that's that's real fucking ridiculous to me. Um, yeah, I absolutely think it would have been better because – that's right around the time where he came into uh, into uh, WWE, and I think that he made a huge impact from the start. So I think his career would have skyrocketed even further had he been in that match. Or not further, but earlier. First off, Greg, you ask any woman, two inches is a big difference. Second off, I think it's completely ridiculous. I, I probably... I'd say it's believable. I you could say Jr. and Jericho there with AEW, so they could say these things. But I don't see why they would bring this up and make this up from WrestleMania 2000. It doesn't separate the competition. It doesn't do anything for AEW, and it doesn't even really shit on WWE because it's so long ago. I'd say it probably is something that happened. Vince has these weird things that we hear about all the time, where he just makes decisions off weird opinions. And you know what? At the end of the day, he has that right. You know, I can't comment on that. Like, it's his business. If something like that throws him off for WrestleMania, then I guess it does. I don't so agree with quick, it. Real quick, Blake, just, just to revise. The entire reason you're here is to criticize WWE. <laughs> no. So, yes, you can. No. All right. So, I think this podcast has actually done a very good job of being one of the least critical ones of WWE. And we have tried our best that's right. I should have said wrestling as a whole, not just WWE. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Some of the things are ridiculous. Like, who's going to say this isn't stupid? Like, he's two inches shorter. Oh, my God. I don't think he should be able to. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's goofy as hell. But it, I do think it's something that probably did happen because some of these things we heard from then, some of this shit's got to be true. Not everybody's just making these things up. All right, so... A few weeks back, I told you guys that I had started reading the Bella's new book and that I would share some of the things that I thought were interesting from it. I think I may be a little more than halfway. I haven't been able to finish it. But how, I, are you, have a, how are you enjoying that? Sorry to cut you off, but I know you're not, not much of a reader, so I was kind of intrigued when you said you were reading this book in the first place. So how are you enjoying that so far? There are some parts where there are some parts where I get a little bored and I just kind of like speed run through the paragraphs, and then there are other parts where I may go back and reread something because I thought it was interesting enough. Um, overall, I'd say it was a good purchase. I, I'm learning a lot about them. I've been pretty into the Bellas for a while now. Just I've been really interested in some of their story, and so this was really fun to see a little bit more of their personal life. Um, one of the things that I loved was that apparently Daniel, Daniel Bryan chose his ring name, Daniel Bryan, with the runner-up being Buddy Peacock, uh, with, 
with Bree saying that would be the perfect porn name for him. That would. I wish he was Buddy Peacock now. Uh, Bree also says that initially early on in their relationship, he couldn't even, well, when they were still just working together before they were dating, he couldn't even distinguish the two apart, which I don't blame him for. But it's just funny to know that there was a point where you couldn't tell your fiance apart from their sister. And um, he, he only knew them by one, the one that lives in New York and the one that lives in San Diego. That was the only way he was able to distinguish any two of them. Um, he told Bree very early on in his relationship, in the relationship that he felt the word love was very devalued and it was thrown around too often. And he warned her ahead of time that that wasn't something she was going to hear from him until... Uh, they were married, and so the first time he actually said "I love you" to her was during their proposal. Um, she makes she comments a lot on Daniel Bryan kind of has fun creating rules for himself and sticking to them. So I guess he gets a real rush from the the discipline of that. Um, there was a point where I remember when Nikki Bella first messed her neck up pretty bad. Um, she. She was trying to get a visit with... Actually, I'll just, I'll just read it to you in her words. She said, I wanted to see the WWE medical director, but couldn't seem to get an appointment. Finally, I texted the office. Is it because I'm a woman that I don't get the same treatment as the male superstars? I got an appointment. Um, and that kind of takes us into some of the, the next few things where they talk a lot about their impact on the women's revolution, women's evolution, whatever we're calling it this week. And something that I thought was really interesting is she talked about when they got there and how hard everybody worked and stuff like that. And eventually we got to that, that storyline of like the NXT women and the WWE divas. And they both talked about how frustrating that was for them because they felt like story-wise, they were on the wrong side of history. They felt like it was kind of BS that they put all this time and effort in to make things better just for them to be the villains and, you know, be labeled diva as a dirty word. Um, something, something else that I learned in this book is that WWE does not pay for or really involved much at all in the process of the wrestlers attires they don't they don't i thought that there'd be somebody back there that was kind of making their outfits and stuff like that that doesn't seem to be the case uh creatively the wrestlers have to come up with that on their own and out of their own pocket so i thought that was really interesting um i'm gonna read you something from nicole here she says, to give you full context, let's back up for a second. In February of 2015, there was a tag match between me, Bree, Paige, and Emma. And it lasted for 29 seconds. Essentially, we got into Gorilla that night. The timekeeper told us that the segment had been cut to a flat two minutes, including entrances. We had started out the day planning for eight minutes, which was then widowed down to five. Two was ridiculous. We all looked at each other and just knew that we were going to stage a protest. We got in the ring, and without doing anything else, Bree put her finisher on Emma and ended the match. We knew the fans would be furious, but we also felt like we needed to make the statement. If you guys remember, this is the match that, that kind of started to give Divas a chance 
movement. And I don't think prior to this that I knew that that was kind of like an active protest from them. And so I just love that they were ballsy enough to do something like that. Because I can't imagine that I would have been. Um, we, we hear a lot about wrestlers' court. court. I'm sure you guys have heard that phrase a lot. But apparently there's one for the females. And they say these were unofficial. I don't think the office even knew that this sort of thing happened. But a locker room meeting involved a number of female wrestlers marshalling against another wrestler. A year into our time on the main roster, there was a locker room meeting held against me, Bree, and Natty. They were pissed at me and Bree for getting too much TV. They were pissed at Natty for being annoying, though it was never made clear what that really meant. That was definitely one of my favorite parts, because I could I completely see that. You remember the early uh, seasons of Total Divas? Natty was the most annoying person that I've ever met. Yeah. She did eventually grow on me. Um, in their book, they talk about, at one point, they trended number one on Yahoo for two days straight after, after their debut, which at the time was the biggest barometer of popularity at the time. And I felt like that really aged us to know. Because I can remember the Bella's debut. It's crazy to think that back then, we're still we're looking at uh, who's trending number one on Yahoo. Um, they mentioned that uh, one of the first things they were asked at the Diva search is if they were willing to get a food job. So speaking of food jobs, I will never get one. This is pretty obviously. Though it had been one of the first questions from WWE when we showed up at Diva Search at the Ritz-Carlton about a year and a half earlier. Are you open to a boot job? We flipped out and started to tell them off, escalating to about a 10 in just a few seconds in true Bella fashion. Um, something else that's really interesting, they talk about when they left WWE, and they describe it as they were the ones that came back with the cameras for E. And they were the ones that secured all of that. And that's when they were able to get WWE's attention. So it's interesting the impact that that was able to have. And then the last thing I'm going to read to you guys is a little bit of the, the darker side of the book. Uh, this is brief. The Christmas of our sophomore year, our dad had told us that he was going on some sort of spiritual soul journey, a trip to find himself. My mom bought him presents for this soldier and wrapped them, put them under the tree. After we opened gifts on Christmas morning, he bounced. We later found out that this Christmas soldier took place on a cruise with another woman. Then Nicole starts writing. My mom couldn't keep it from us. She dropped to her knees on the kitchen floor, crying and crying. What was worse, the woman he was having an affair with was the teen mom for my brother's little league team. This made it more embarrassing, more hurtful, and more problematic for all of us. And so on Total Divas and Total Bells, we see them allude to a lot of the abuse that they suffered growing up. And I would say that from what I've written so far, a lot of it is pretty traumatic. And I won't say I'm surprised, but I'm, I'm very happy that they ended up being as successful as they did with some of the challenges that they had to overcome. If you guys are at all interested, like I said, I definitely recommend it. It's a good read. In a few weeks when I host again, if I found anything else, I'll definitely share it with you guys. Very interesting stuff. That's pretty cool. All right. From there, we're going to go into 
And you know, a little little uh, history for you, Roy. I so recently, I've enjoyed books. It's something I got back into. I always hated them until like I'd say maybe a year and a half ago. But back when I was younger, even though I hated books, the one book that I read completely was Mick Foley's book, and I loved nice. it. A little history lesson there for you. I've actually read a lot of the the wrestlers autobiographies i don't always make it all the way through i get pretty bored at certain points i like hearing a lot about the behind the scenes for wwe specifically in their wrestling career but a lot of the their own personal journeys i don't always relate to or or have much interest in uh the bellas were a different kind of a different thing because i feel like they peeled back so much and i see so much of them that i feel actually invested in them uh, it was also an opportunity of something for Raquel and I to do get together. So there was a bonus of that, too. Um, all right. So I, I got to pull up the AW Double or Nothing card here. And we can go over match. So while, match. You do, while you do that, I just want to comment on Blake talking about the uh, McFoley book. Are we referring to Have a Nice Day? Yes. Okay. So I was the same way as a kid. I hated books. Um, and that was one of the first ones I actually sat down and read all the way through. And one of the parts that stood out the most to me and definitely points out why his career took the trajectory that it did was the fact that he threw himself out of his six-story apartment window onto a single mattress. And that, that to me was like, okay, now, now all of his stuff that he's ever done makes sense. <laughs> I could never imagine trying that. So completely off topic, but you saying that reminded me of something. You guys see going around, it was reported that, uh, remember the, the little bump that Gronk did at WrestleMania off that podium? Yeah. So supposedly there was pe- there's people saying that Vince actually took that bump ahead of time to show him that it was safe. So the idea of like Vince McMahon going out there and taking bumps and saying, like, it's safe. <laughs> it's just like, so when I totally originally... see that. When I originally read this, they didn't know that it was the Gronk point, and they thought that it was something set up for Money in the Bank that he jumped off the roof into like an air an air match or whatever that big bubble thing is that they use for firefighters and stuff. Um, anyway, but they were they were all alluding to that's what it was, and then uh, it was I for, I don't think they named who it was, but it was a female superstar who came out and said it wasn't the Money in the Bank; it was the spot for Gronk at WrestleMania. But I, I, I imagine the whole time that this 70-year-old man jumped off the roof of the freaking headquarters trying to show them it's okay to get thrown off this roof. <laughs> All right, so at some point we're going to do we're gonna do actual predictions before the pay-per-views, keep track, two wins, all that good stuff. Uh, but for right now, we'll just go over each one, so talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you have someone you want to win, what you think is going to happen, whatever you want to talk about. Let's start with uh, Private Party versus Best Friends. This is one I'm not super invested in, but I definitely would like a Best Friends win here. Yeah, at this point, I would say the same as far as the Best Friends win. I really enjoy both teams, but unfortunately, I have not seen Private Party in a while. I don't, I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic. They've been kind of on the side the last few weeks, but maybe that's what halted their progress a little bit. Cause it seems like it was a team that A&W was enjoying and was pushing a little bit among the 20 fantastic tag teams that they have. 
but I think a best friends win is the most beneficial at this point. Obviously, I've been outspoken saying that at the time, um, Private Party was probably my favorite tag team in the moment. Um, whereas I'm glad to see them back. I've really got behind best friends lately, and I would like to see a win from them. All right. Two things I'm going to talk about real quick. One, the fact that I can't see you, Greg, and I would like to. Please fix your camera, if possible. The second thing is, can we talk about this $60 for a pay-per-view? It is Yeah, because I, I hate it. I, I know this is how it used to be back in the day, but you know what? We don't do things that we did back in the day anymore. I don't like this at all. I've been spoiled with the network. It's WWE's fault for giving it to me for $9.99. I don't want to pay full price anymore. I almost didn't get the pay-per-view. I, it's, it's just, uh, man, I don't know what it is, man. I know I'm and, cheap. I'll admit it. Usually, usually to help it, we can always we get a group and we split it. Now, that's, that's not an option. So it's really, really hitting hard. It is. It's, it's not a good time making trying to make that purchase. I um, I hope they find an alternative soon. I would like to see them put something together with Bleacher Report. But I will say at least they don't do one every month. They space them out pretty well. And I'll give them credit for that. But it is very hard to make that purchase when the time comes. So I think that eventually we do get the cheaper pay-per-views i think that we're still pretty fresh with aew that they still need to make some type of money off of this so um i don't necessarily disagree with you guys but i can also understand why they do it all right next up on the card we got dustin rhodes versus sean spears this match is annoying as hell to me i don't know Dustin Rhodes, in general, is annoying as hell to me for some reason. And so is Sean Spears. Sean Spears is supposed... They keep telling me that he's this intimidating guy. But when I look in his eyes, I just see sadness. There's no mean streak in him to me. I just see a nice guy. I see a perfect 10. And I can't... I, I think the chairman thing is absolutely genius. But it doesn't fit for me. I agree with that. Um, I haven't in the beginning. He, I got behind him, but it feels like his character just got stale. Uh, it seems very forced, especially w- like lately when they've been doing the wrestlers on the on the side. Um, so it, I, it just feels like he doesn't fit in with the heel side of things. Uh, when they do that, it feels very forced. Um, I just, I did, you know, I. I don't know. I This match doesn't really mean anything to me, and although I'm not really behind him at the moment, I think I want a Sean Spears win. What about you, Blake? Tell me why this will be your favorite match of the night. I'm going to go on record and say that I don't care at all about this match. There's There was no build. It was like Dustin's, Dustin's retired, and then, no, he's not. I'm challenging him. I, there was no build to this match. I understand that sometimes you're going to have some things thrown together. This wasn't, of all the talent on the roster, these two weren't the two I wanted to see put together. There isn't anything that makes me excited for this match. 
Sean Spears, the whole chairman thing, I thought was great. Like, in the beginning, when he had the feud with Cody, I was like, man, like, I could get behind Sean Spears in AEW. Now I'm starting to see all the talent come together. And unfortunately, he's kind of in the same position as WWE, where I think he's a talented guy among a lot more talented guys. And before we dig too deep, because things don't sound great so far, I do want to say I am very much looking forward to this pay-per-view tonight. I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited for it, and I don't want to be misleading with because uh, we started off with not caring about the first two matches at all, but it gets better. Well, that's not true. I the first match I care about, I think it'll be a good match. Is it something that I have to have a certain result either way? No, because I like both teams, but I think that'll be a pretty good match. Now, this match that we just talked about, I agree. I, I don't have any intrigue going in. Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. I believe this one was originally Baker and Statlander, which in when I think about it that way, it's it's very disappointing because I was so on board with Britt Baker. But I like Penelope Ford too. And this is a match that I don't know what to expect. And I'm definitely interested in seeing I feel like Penelope Ford improves with every match. And so that's one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing and to see if Chris Statlander can make me remember why I liked her so much a couple months ago. What does this match do for you, Greg? This one. Throw him a curveball. This one. um, So I'm, I'm glad. Well, let me rephrase it. I'm not glad that, uh, Britt Baker got injured, but I'm glad that they chose Penelope Ford as her stand-in. Um, I think this is going to give her even more exposure. Uh, the last couple of weeks, they've seemed to be using her a lot more, which I'm proud about, instead of just having her on the sideline for Kip. Um, so that that makes me excited for the match. Uh, like you said, Statlander, she's, she's also kind of staled. I was really behind her when she started, and you know, when you make that face, it's very intimidating. Oh, uh, so, all right, guys, you're making this very difficult. Um, so what's so, happening is they were both making faces at Greg <laughs> to try and distract him, and it is working flawlessly. It worked perfectly. Um, it it was I could ignore it for a minute, and Blake joined in. So anyway, um, I'm I'm excited to see if I can get behind Statlander again. But to be honest, I I'd, I'd like to see uh, Penelope sneak a win out here. I think I would too. Yeah, that's not happening. Gonna prepare you both for that now. Yeah, I don't think it's happening either. I haven't sailed on Satlander. I still enjoy Satlander. I think she's actually shown a little bit more character in the last few weeks with her running around and touching everybody's nose. It seems like in the beginning, I didn't know if she was face or heel. Now she's definitely more on the face side, and I think she's shown a little bit more character to prove that. That's where she wants to be. I think she's pretty good in the ring as well. Penelope in this match, again, no build because they were trying to do Britt Baker and Sadler, which I was really excited for because I enjoyed both of them. However, Penelope is someone that I think is pretty impressive in the ring. And this is an opportunity for her to showcase him on a pay-per-view. I don't think she gets the win, but I think this ends up being a pretty good match. I think all three of us enjoy it. Up next, we got MJF versus Jungle Boy. If I believe for a second that Jungle Boy could win, I'd be pretty into this match. But MJF annoys the hell out of me. And so that makes me not as interested in the match. How do you guys feel about it? 
I feel any, any MJF fans out there tonight? No. Um, I feel like this one ends in a DQ. Um, somehow Wardlow goes and gets involved, and then we get the the storyline of uh, Luchasaurus uh, coming in for the save and finally building to them to having a match eventually. Um, I I really think that that's all this is used for. It's either that or a complete fucking squash for MJF on a pay-per-view. Yeah, MJF, I really, he was like my favorite when, we, when AEW started. And they did a lot to make me realize that they don't want me to feel that way that they yeah. want me to really hate him and i get it I understand this is wrestling and and those are the things we do but when it comes to this match i don't really feel much for it i've been on record to say that there's nothing it's nothing against um jungle boy but luchasaurus has been my favorite out of those three jungle boy i think he's very talented but i haven't seen him in a while and i haven't really seen anything for mjf either so I don't, I don't see how Jungle Boy even wins this match. I think it's for sure a clean win for MJF. And I don't come out of this going, wow, I'm, I can't wait to see MJF in a title match now because he beat Jungle Boy either. So it doesn't really achieve anything for me on either end. All right. The AEW Women's Champion Nyla Rose defends her title against Sheeta in a no-disqualification, no-countout match. I'm looking forward to this one. I think that there's a lot of potential there, especially with the no DQ, no count out, even though that's usually just a way to embrace uh, some sort of silly finish. Hopefully we don't get exactly that. Hopefully it's satisfying in some capacity. What do you guys think? So when we came into Riho and Nyla, I'd seen it a couple times, and I had zero excitement for that match. And it ended up being one of the matches of the night. If not, it wasn't the match tonight because the tag team match was fantastic. But it was it was probably the second best match of the night. And I remember all three of us going, holy shit, we did not expect that. So I learned my lesson. This time around, despite seeing Sheeta kind of in the title pitch for a while now and not being able to overcome and Nyla Rose being the champion for a few months, I think this will be a pretty good match. And I'm intrigued. I want to see it. I want to see Sheeta win, though. I think I because I don't know what happens to Sheeta if she loses, and I think Nyla could overcome Sheeta. I'm not sure if she can. So with this one, um, I mean they've been hinting towards this kendo stick for a while, so I'm assuming that this is how Sheeta wins. Uh, she gets her kendo stick back and she's able to beat the shadow of Nyla with it. Um, Nyla, um, I think. I, I definitely think Sheeta wins this. I feel like the the women's championship hasn't really been a thing for them. Um, there was not much from Rio when she had it, and there, Nyla was gone for a little while. So I think that they need to put it on somebody that's pretty consistent at the moment to build this title and to put it on somebody who has an 8-1 and one record, 9-1, and one, whatever it is. I think that that's the best way to do it at the moment. Um, I almost feel that before the injury that Britt Baker was probably the one they were aiming towards. Um, but I, I would like to see Sheeta win tonight. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, we got the AEW TNT championship match. 
Cody Rhodes versus Lance Archer. Bonus points if you can tell me what the belt's going to look like. No idea. I'm excited to see it. Uh, I I have I'm a little worried coming into this match. I'm gonna tell you guys why. I am so excited for it. I love Cody and I love Lance Archer. I'm worried we're gonna get a finicky finish here. The one on one with Jake Roberts. The one on one with Jake Roberts when he's basically talking about how Lance Archer will knock out Mike Tyson. I'm worried because. I don't want them to just have Tyson cost Archer this belt, and that be the way Cody gets it. I want to see a clean finish here between these two, and that's what I'm fearful of coming in. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope that's not the route they're going. I want to see Lance Archer win. I think he needs the win. He's been a dominant force. I want to see that continue. I want to see him be the first one with this belt. I'm curious to see what Roy wants because I know how much he loves Cody. And whether he has the same fears as me with the whole Mike Tyson thing. All right. So first of all, the belt is going to have giant letters that say TNT. Holy! Are you serious? That's my prediction. Um. You know, I don't really care who wins. Uh. I'm not as excited for it as I think I should be. Bullshit. I, I, just, I hate Bullshit. the tournament. I hate the tournament. I hate the tournament. <laughs> it's so clear from day one what we're getting towards. And they've had such a good path to this match that they didn't even need the tournament for it. The Arn Anderson and the Jake the Snake stuff alone, I think, could have, and Brandy Rhodes' involvement too. Like the actual story for these guys has been great. The tournament just kind of annoys me because I just feel like I had to sit through stuff when I know what the conclusion is going to be. I just wish we had done that match without the tournament. Uh, so, and I don't. I feel like Cody, all he does is lose, and I'm probably really wrong there, but I feel like when it counts, he loses. And Lance Archer, this is, I don't know, like the third or fourth big guy that comes in and does a thing. So it's like you kind of overuse both sides of this story. And I don't know. I, I love the Mike Tyson aspect to it also. That's another thing. They really didn't need this tournament. I think without the tournament, I probably would have been a lot more interested. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have to pick a winner, I'm just gonna say Cody because I feel like both of them kind of need it. And honestly, you could just take Lance Archer out of AEW, and I'd be fine. That's not to say that I, I hate him or anything like that, but he's not somebody that really catches my attention. I wish that we had continued to use. Cody for Wardlow. And this also just feels like Cody and Wardlow too for me. Uh, what do you think, Greg? So this one feels a lot like a Cody overcoming the odds type of thing. I personally don't think that Archer losing is going to take a hit by any means. I feel like he could easily be in the picture for the uh, AEW world title. So Putting, putting a mid-card title on him doesn't seem to be the best idea to me. I think that's definitely a role for Cody, especially uh, that he can't go for the AEW anymore. Um, given the matches he's actually had, a lot of his matches that he's won have seemed like mid-card matches lately. So I can see Cody winning this. Um, I do think Mike Tyson costs, 
uh, cost Archer, but I don't want to see that happen. Um, I, I, see, a lot again, of people say that, but for me, I am assuming that if anything like that happens, that Tyson is going to screw over Cody. Because if wrestling has taught me anything, it's that whatever it tells me, the opposite happens. And so the fact that they keep the Nightmare family keeps talking about Tyson as if he's a deciding factor for them makes me assume that there's some kind of swerve there. You guys don't feel that? I hate that even more. So if now it's flashing back to Tyson and DX. Um, so I can definitely see that now then. Um, you, you brought up a good point that I didn't see in the beginning, but that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, I was thinking either that or Arn and uh, Jake get into it and he's there to just break them up. I don't really know. I don't really care, to be honest, about Tyson. Uh, but I do want Cody to win this. You know what would be an amazing spot? Let Jake the Snake go ahead and get the snake. And then let Tyson go get his tiger. And just let them all go at it. That's one how you thing, sell a pay-per-view. One thing that Greg said that I do disagree with, though, I do think a loss for Archer here does hurt him in a lot of ways. I, he came in specifically for Cody. That was the whole set of them coming in. He comes in, and Jake Roberts calls out Cody and says, this guy's basically going to kick your ass. So if your main objective was to come in and beat Cody, and then you had that match and you lose to Cody, it's going to be hard to overcome that and just jump into a world title picture. How is it possible that there are two outcomes to this match, two very opposite outcomes? One, either Cody defeats the big guy, the big new challenge, and overcomes and that feels really played out. Or the big new threat comes in and Cody puts him over. And somehow that feels so played out. How, is, how, how has Cody run the course on both of those narratives simultaneously? Unfortunately, because that's, that's been what he's done since he's been here. It's, I can't win the big one. Then it was, I'll face MJF and put him over. Really, ever since the match with Dustin, that's been his route. Yeah. And I hope he takes a step back and kind of recognizes that. Because you, you don't want to be in that position very often. I'm very excited for the match. You know, the tournament didn't take that away from me. I do want to see it. And it's one of the main reasons I wanted to buy the pay-per-view. But I do agree with you. I think they, they kind of booked themselves in a little bit of a corner. I think Cody needs to get the mindset of... Just because I'm the the big top dog in this business, I you know I created it. Whatever the case, he needs to realize that he can still wrestle. He's allowed to do certain things, and people do want to see a championship on him. Um, I feel like he's in this in this case. I will definitely say he's trying to stay away from a Vince McMahon mindset and putting the title on who you know on himself and. You know, whereas Vince McMahon will put it on, you know, we may all hate the person, but because Vince McMahon thinks he's the greatest person in the world, he's going to put it on him. I think he's trying to stay out of that selfish mindset, and it's actually coming off very badly because the fans do want him. The fans do want him to to be a champion. They want to watch him wrestle, and it means something. And it, it almost feels like then when he does wrestle, there's no meaning behind it lately. So I, I wish he would get out of that mindset, and I'm hoping tonight we see that. 
Whereas I do agree that he didn't put the main title on himself. I do, I do understand that, but I don't think he should have had it to where he can never go for it. Uh, one thing to kind of cap that off, I'll say that I love the idea of the network having their own championship. I think that was a, I think that was a great direction to go. Same. Um, the AEW World Championship match, John Moxley versus Brody Lee. John Moxley's real quick. Done. Go ahead. Sorry, I wanted to comment on the TNT thing. Didn't when WCW when TNT got WCW, didn't they have a TNT belt too? I don't think that a TV title. Yeah, I remember the TV title. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. All right, sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, so John Moxley's reign has done nothing for me, and I I knew going into it because I could tell I could tell that everybody was rallying behind him and that he was popular. And I don't think it was necessarily the wrong call to make him the champion because I agree, like he was white hot at the time with everybody else, but for me I, I didn't feel like going in. I haven't felt it any time since. There's some circumstances that are working against him here. Honestly, it would, it would be huge for me if Brody Lee just took the title off of him because I don't enjoy Moxley as champion. And just in general, this is coming from somebody that was a big Dean Ambrose fan. Just in general, John Moxley kind of bores me. Bores me. So, Where, oh, sorry. Okay, Greg. So what I was going to say was, I feel like it, it was bad timing, whereas, like you said, I don't disagree with him winning it. I think it, – it, and it's not their fault that it was bad timing. Like you said, they had some things work against them. Uh, but I almost – I don't know where the story would have went with him because it just it just seemed flat from the beginning, especially when he did that whole speech at the end. I think that kind of just set the trajectory of this whole situation. And for Brody – if Brody wins this, Brody has a way better storyline that this belt can be behind. Um, I feel like Brody having the championship could be the best story we've seen with this championship. Um, and it would just get, I think he would just get more and more followers. We'll see a, a pretty big faction form and then we'll have three, three factions essentially. And, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, them just be the next big thing and, and bring, you know, the other two back and have them as your wingmen because I don't understand where this 10 guy came from, but whatever. Um, but I, I think Brody needs to win this for, for the title's sake. What do you think, Blake? I haven't been a big fan of the Moxie run. I was one of the people who wasn't excited when he won. I was enjoying the Jericho run, and I thought it was a little too soon. And I think that's been proven. I, I don't think I was ready for a Moxley run, and I don't think it's went that well. If anything, I think it's staled the character a ton for me. With that being said, Brody Lee, when it was initially announced that he was a challenger, I was excited about it. However, I don't think the build to this match has been very good at all. And I'm actually starting to get a little bit worried about Brody Lee as champion at this point. I think I'd prefer to see him win, but I'm a little nervous about it, to be completely honest with you two. And we'll, we'll touch on some of that when we get into Rant and Rave. But I don't know, man. Uh, this this is supposed to be a big match feel, and I don't quite have that big match feel that I want to have. I'm not saying I don't want to see it, but I'm not as excited for this as I have been for the other championship matches that they've had. 
All right. And then we have the casino ladder match. Darby Allen versus Colt Cabana versus Orange Cassidy versus Joey Janela versus Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian versus Frankie Kazarian versus Luchasaurus versus Mystery Competitor. Now, I know we're running, we're running pretty long at this point. There's a few things that I want to get to with this. So stick with me. Stay in order. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you guys is, how do we feel about... This is clearly the answer to Money in the Bank. How do we feel about this match as a competitor to Money in the Bank? I, I don't even know what the match is still. I, I've been trying to pay attention. They, they're getting some chip or something. I, I have said this before. I think WWE gives you way too much information about how a match is supposed to go down or what the rules are, and AEW does not give me enough. They did uh, at some point. Be, they were more specific, and they put a little graphic up with the rules. I'll see if I can pull it up for you real quick. Uh, there will be a poker chip hanging above the ring. Two competitors will begin the match. Every 90 seconds, a new competitor will join. The winner is the first man to retrie- retrieve the poker chip. Yeah, uh, something's weird about a poker chip. <laughs> I, I feel so like I love I love the poker chip idea. I love uh, the idea of cashing in uh, double or nothing. The chip. I, I think all of yeah. it thematically. I think I the theme. It. Yeah, like the theme works. I'm just trying to picture a chip up there, and I think it's weird. You know, like the theme, everything comes together, and it makes sense. I'm picturing a chip in the air, and I'm like, that's weird, and that's probably. WWE is at fault because I'm used to the briefcase. Exactly, yeah. So so I, I don't discredit them whatsoever about it. However, I'm really excited for it because the fucking people in this match, Luchasaurus, you know, even Kip Sabian, Roy, he's he's very talented. I'll give him that. So he'll be fun to watch in this. The mystery right, opponent. Hang on one second. You're going off topic. Oh, my bad, my we're bad. Gonna, Keep... We're going to talk about the people involved. How about how okay, let's do it. This just as a competitor money in the bank. You think this is a good answer? Yes, because though I think the chip is weird, I do think it's cool to have something like this. Mm-hmm. And I know it could be seen as, well, they're ripping WWE's ideas. Well, you know what? WWE's had 50 fucking years to come up with ideas. There's only so much left. And they're trying to twist it a little bit in their favor, but I think it is a good call to have something like this. I think they definitely need their own the, the money in the bank is like one of the most exciting matches yeah. that has ever been so i have no problem with them coming up with their own it feels a little overly complicated but i'm willing to see how it plays out greg what are your opinions on the match is this a good answer to money in the bank so i i think it really is um at first it didn't sit well with me because that's all i thought about was okay it's just a money in the bank but then i thought about it and in blake's perspective there's there's only so much you can really do that doesn't seem like it's ripping off of something that hasn't already been done. And then, like, like you were saying, Roy, they've put their own spin on it, which I really I, – I enjoy the semi-Royal Rumble entry style with the Money in the Bank, you know, match itself type. So I, I think their spin on it is actually very interesting. Um, I'm very interested in seeing how it plays out because in their rules – Somebody could win before all competitors have even entered. So I'm very interested in that. The one thing I think they hurt themselves with is the timing of it. I don't think they'd have caught as much flack had this been four months from now. 
But the fact that we just watched Money in the Bank and now they're having this, that probably hurt them a little bit. They probably would have been better suited to do this in a different month or something like that. But I get it with Double or Nothing. You had to do it for Double or Nothing. You know what? I, I really think that the Money in the Bank concept is so big. I don't see anybody complaining about this. Everybody wants them to, to rip that idea off and have their own uh, concept for it, which and I'll be brief with, with this story. But did you guys have, are you guys familiar with uh, TNA's Feast or Fired? So I don't know. I don't know a ton about it. I don't. Hopefully, I don't misrepresent it. But basically, their concept was same thing: Money in the Bank match. There's multiple briefcases. There's going to be multiple winners. You don't know what you got until you open your briefcase, and some of them were terminations. So that was really crazy. But obviously, that's what you got to really commit to something to something like that. Um, now I'm going to go over. Before we go over who's going to win, actually, I want to ask you guys who is going to be the mystery participant. And here's what I'll say. If, if flattery works, this mystery participant has to be Rusev because I have seen him putting in some work on social media with complimenting AEW as hard as he possibly can. What do you guys think? Who's the mystery participant? I don't know, man. There's been so many releases from WWE that... And that's the thing. Is this just a AEW guy that is popping back up? Somebody we know of? Somebody that's already active on the roster, maybe? Or is this a completely new signing that we're unaware of? I, I hope it's not a WWE guy. They've got too many WWE guys to make this a focal point, like a mystery, a mystery guy that's a big deal, right? Yeah. I'm hoping it's not a WWE guy. I don't know. I'd be just throwing out a name for you, but I, I'd be lying if I said I couldn't wait to see who it is and what they have planned. Any predictions, Craig, on who this is going to be? So, just a heads up, the neighbor's mowing their lawn again. Oh, oh. I, and I meant to say for this part specifically, Greg, if you have seen anything, if somebody has hinted anything towards you, if you have any kind of educated <laughs> guess, do not tell me anything. Wait, so, I'm not going to so, spoil it for you guys, but I saw this, 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 and that. That was Greg last week. What do you got, Anyway, Greg? so I've actually been staying away from this one. I will admit that one. So I don't have any ideas. The only, the only thing that's making me think of one person is something way back when they released all the guys that they said someone had a tie to people in it. I don't think it's that person at all. Uh, to me... I, I like Blake said, I want it to be somebody coming back. I don't necessarily want another WWE guy, but I was thinking I it's too early for Drew Gulak. That would be one I'm okay with. Um, but I was thinking a lot about Rusev, and that was just because of how big he was at one point and what they could make out of him, I think. Um, but I'm – I'm honestly completely clueless on this, and I'm actually super excited to see who it is, and I hope it's not a disappointment. I'll say EC3, Roy. There's my name. Okay. Uh, who do you guys want to win, and who do you think is likely to win? Obviously, I, it, my serious answer would be Kip Sabian. Honest to God, I would love that. Um, and on a more lighthearted wavelength, Orange Cassidy or uh, Luchasaurus would be fantastic. Darby Allen, I wouldn't be upset, but it's not what I would pick. Cole Cabana, I'm not interested. 
Scorpio Sky doesn't do anything for me. What do you? Who do you guys want to win this? So, I, who oh, I is Ray, want is Ray Phoenix? No, no, no. So, and I also read Ray Phoenix. It's Joey Janela. Correct. Uh, so I would like Darby to win this. Um, he's another one that, other than video packages, I feel like he's just there to take a loss lately. Um, so he's who I would want to win. Who I think is going to win is actually Scorpio Sky, especially with a lot of the talk of him doing a singles run. Um, and next to Darby Allen, the last person who I think will win it is this surprise entry. I, it, it almost feels like this surprise entry is a build to be the winner. I would like to see either Darby Allen or Luchasaurus win this. I you said be- you would like to see either Darby Allen or Luchasaurus win this? Yes. Well, that's not just too bad, Blake. It's super bad because Kip Sabian's definitely winning. Kip Sabian is definitely not winning. That is something that I could be very comfortable with coming into this match, that he will not win. And if he does win, I'll have to think of something that I'll send you if he does win. Okay. Okay. Uh, did you I, – I wasn't really listening to you. Did you finish your opinion? I mostly just was waiting for my opportunity to talk. So, so now I am not going to send you anything if Kip Sabian does win because Damn. you didn't listen to my opinion. I would prefer those two. I really, as I was saying, I'm excited for this match. I think it's unique. I think it's going to be fun. I'm curious to see who the mystery guy is. I don't want to see the mystery guy win because I think that is too simple, you know? So I I really, I'm going to say if I had to pick between the two, give me Luchasaurus. I've been begging for Luchasaurus. He's a big guy. He's very talented. And I could see him as a world champion. So give me Luchasaurus. All right, last up, we got Matt Hardy in the Elite versus the Inner Circle. What is the name of this match? Something Stampede? Stadium Stampede. Stadium Stampede match. Um, Something I want to point out is that this is the first pay-per-view for AEW during the COVID era. So I wonder how much of this will be pre-taped and kind of cinematic in the way that we saw WWE doing some stuff. I don't know. I don't think I care which side wins this. I think I like both of them. I probably get more enjoyment from Inner Circle, but I feel like Inner Circle wins quite a bit. So, I don't... I'm just hoping for a really good match, and I definitely think we're going to get that. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it goes down. I do think there will be some cinematic portions of it, if not most of it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I agree. I don't think it matters what team wins. Both have been built very well, and a loss doesn't really affect either team long-term. If I had to choose one, I'd say probably Elite could use a little bit more than Inner Circle. But I can't wait to see this match. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You got any opinions? I also can't wait for – I can't wait for this one. Um, The build to it uh, was – wasn't too big until this past week, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, we'll get into that further. And I'm, I'm excited to see exactly what happens. Um, I don't want it to end in a press box because I've heard the commentators say that too many goddamn times that this could even end in a press box. I don't want to see that. Um, I, again, it doesn't matter which side, side wins. I'm very much into both of them. So I'm just excited for the whole match in general. 
Is this the replacement for Blood and Guts? Does this mean that we won't see Blood and Guts between these two? Should that be the assumption at this point? I think we eventually get Blood and Guts, but I don't know if it's between these two because they've they've done it so much. Um, and again, like I said, with the Dark Order, if Brody wins, I can see them being another faction that it might be something with them. I don't know, but I, I really hope we do get Blood and Guts. All right, guys, it is time for the R&R Battle Royale. For three rounds, we assign, we assign one rant and one rave, each to a show of our choice. Disagreements will be settled in a special rant versus rave round with a third party making the final decision. At the end, we add the rave, subtract your rants, and decide what the best show was so you don't have to. We'll take care of the scoring. All you have to do is sit back and relax. Number one rant of the week. Oh, I, I apologize. This week's rotation is Herbigif. That's Roy Flake Greg. Greg. Herbigif. Herbigif. Greg. Hey, Greg. Is it Herbigif? Herbigif. All right. My rant is going to go to Charlotte interrupting Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. It's just, it was so, <laughs> I'm so upset I haven't even begun. What was the point? It, was, it it didn't help. It didn't help anybody. It was just it was obnoxious. It was annoying. It was a rant. What do you got, Blake? So obvious that whole thing. Yeah, but then it was I a waste see. of everybody's time. It was, and and they're doing that a lot lately. My number one rant is going to go to Monday Night Raw, and it's simply the greatest wrestling match ever. Yes. What is this? What is it? What does it mean? I don't get it. They're being so over the top with the phrasing of it at this point that I'm thinking they must have something planned, something comical. This can't be like a serious app. The the world's greatest wrestling match. <laughs> Look, I I love Edge, and Orton's very talented. But Edge hasn't even wrestled in like nine years. He hasn't wrestled a traditional match. How could you label this the greatest wrestling match ever? You know, yes, this feud has been so boring for me. It, yeah, it's it's rough. I I feel bad for Greg because as much as he loves Edge, Edge came back and they were like, "Here's here's a feud with Orton for the whole year." So thanks for saying that because that led me into what I was going to say. I I think I said this last week, and if I didn't, I'm saying it now. If I did, I'm reiterating it. I y'all know I love Edge. I am not behind this at all. I. The WrestleMania build wasn't the greatest. The match wasn't the greatest. Of course, I loved seeing Edge get a win being back. But I would have loved it in a much different fashion. This does nothing for me. You already had a Falls Count Anywhere match. And you're going to go into a whatever an old-fashioned wrestling match is. It it does nothing for me. Um Maybe we'll get to see more out of both of them in this match because of that instead of 20 minutes of them just walking backstage. But I, I'm i not behind this right now at all, and I don't know that I will get behind it. Uh, during the match, of course, I'm going to love watching Edge and see what he can you know, really do in the ring. But I'm not behind it right now. And uh, your rant is? My rant is also going to go to Raw, and it's going to go to Bobby Lashley. Oh, I, ring the bell. 
Ladies what? and gentlemen, it's time for Rant versus Rave. I have to lower my voice a little because it makes the thing skip sometimes. I'm just going to say this right Ray. now. Blake, I really hope you have a good fucking reason behind this because this may have to be one of the most ridiculous ones. Bobby Lashley, for the last couple of months, had the most ridiculous fucking storyline with Lana. Then we lead, or let's even talk about when he first came back and he wanted to match with Brock Lesnar. It is too late to throw Bobby Lashley into a world championship match. The fact that, like, I don't even care that MVP is his, his manager, his advisor, whatever you want to call him now. The fact that this man is able to just walk out and simply say, I'm coming for you next, Drew. What am I supposed to believe in any fashion that Bobby Lashley can beat Drew McIntyre, given who Drew McIntyre is beat? How can I take Bobby Lashley seriously when all he's done the past three weeks is beat our truth? How do I take Bobby Lashley seriously at all, given what we got when he originally came back to what he's been made into now? Bobby Lashley has to be one of WWE's worst used superstars. Now you're going to throw him into a title match and expect that I care about that? No, I think it's a bullshit match. I think that it's going to be so unentertaining that it's ridiculous. I'm not, I care less about Bobby Lashley at all. So everything that you said about his storyline and all the ridiculous stuff, I agree with. I think they were using Lashley in the wrong fashion for a very long time. He's somebody that could have been in a match like this. He's a big, powerful guy with that ability. This is what would swung me. I am loving, and I, and I can't really explain it to Roy why it's a rave, but I am loving the MVP utilization where he's coming in. He sees a talent like Lashley. Everything he's saying is fact. He's saying, you haven't had a title match since 2007. You have all this ability. What the hell are you doing with it? You're doing nothing. You're wasting your time which is an opinion we've all had about Lashley because he's in this storyline that he doesn't belong in with Rusev for all these months. MVP's telling him, you need to make better use of your talent. You need to put yourself where you belong, which we know Lashley's wanted that anyway because he wanted Le Lashley and Lesnar for the longest time and never got it. I like that MVP has come in and said this, and you have this little twist between Lana and Lashley, which is already building. What I'll say to you about the build is that has it been a very long build for Lashley? No, it's been a few weeks. He had the gauntlet match where I think he won one or two matches and then he got himself DQ'd, and that's how they protected him. And, of course, he's been beating the hell out of Archer. That's been his thing, which MVP acknowledged as well. He said, you're over here playing games that are truth when really you should be focusing on bigger things. Now, the reason why that push works for me right now is because that is the typical WWE push at this point, right? And I just have to live with it at some point. Drew McIntyre, the way he got his Royal Rumble win was the same exact direction. He was a lackey who never won, and then he had three weeks where he won a couple of regular-ass matches, and then he won the Royal Rumble, and all of a sudden, here we are. I bring that up because right now I'm enjoying Drew McIntyre. I have forgotten about everything in the past. I'm enjoying him as a champion, and I feel like I kind of learned a lesson where I'm going, you know what, I could have the same, same mindset on Lashley, and go, this is stupid, but it worked for McIntyre, and I'm going to give this a chance because I wasn't expecting to see McIntyre and Lashley, and I'm glad that they're using Lashley in a different fashion. That is why it's a raid for me and not a rant. 
Okay, before Roy gives his, his thing, I just have one question for you, and I don't want this to sway Roy's decision at all. I'm just genuinely, genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. Is there any part of you that believes Bobby Lashley can beat Drew McIntyre? And is there any part of you that believes that they're going to end Drew McIntyre's reign that early? And that, uh, that's a genuine question. I'm just curious to see what you think about that. No, and I think that that doesn't go in your favor, and it goes in mine, because... I think we all know that McIntyre is going to have a lengthy run and a competitor like Lashley makes sense because this is a big guy and it's believable that he could have a big match against McIntyre. So I think it works in his favor. I'd rather see this than him and Seth Rollins again for a second time, which we've done. We've seen that before where they continue to have these long feuds like uh, last year with Baron and Seth. It went on for way too long. I'd rather them give somebody who hasn't had an opportunity to title an opportunity. Do I think there should be longer builds for these characters? Yes, absolutely. But unfortunately, that's never the case with WWE. But I'm okay with it, dude, because I knew McIntyre was going to win anyway. And I could come into this match and go, okay, well, it's something I've never seen before. And it's two guys that I think that could be deserving of the title. I just, you brought up Corbin. And I think with the Invitational, I think Corbin and him would have been the better feud. I think Corbin is a more believable wrestler than Lashley. I just, I don't think it's the right superstar or the right timing. But like you said, the same thing did happen with Drew. So I'm just going to stop saying things. Roy, what do you think, bud? So can I, can I comment on that? So it's interesting you said that because I know you don't know this, and this is a fact that I came across this week. Did you know that Baron Corbin has the most losses on WWE TV of anybody in 2020? I'm not surprised about that, but look how many people are still behind him and supporting him. I I agree with that, but what makes him a better fit for a title match with such a losing record than Bobby Lashley? He's a better character. He's a better, he's better at promos. His character stands out so much. He's so good in the ring. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in Bobby Lashley's wrestling. I don't think that he's that great in the ring right now, whereas his potential could change. I just think right now Corbin is the better wrestler and his character is the better character. So for you, and this isn't even with a debate anymore, just out of curiosity. So for you, are you more interested in seeing somebody enter the title picture because they have a character nailed down and they interest you? Or are you more interested in seeing somebody who's been successful in earning a title shot? Kind of more like an AW style. I, I want someone to earn the shot. I don't, I think I'm just more upset at the fact that I just don't, I can't get behind Lashley at all. I feel like that whole feud completely ruined him for me. And I just, I literally do not care about him. So in this situation, I I just don't like, this is a match I don't care for. And I think Drew deserves a match that is better than this to me. Okay. I'm just curious because, because Lashley on one end, he, I don't even remember the last time Lashley lost. He beat the shit out of Rusev in a feud. I don't think Rusev ever even got a win against the guy. So that's why I was curious. I, I, I could see your side on character. I agree with King Corbin. I think he does have a better character. But if you're looking at wins and losses and trying to earn a title shot, I think Lashley's the better fit. So that's why I was curious. All right, so this is a constant issue that I come across when trying to trying to figure out how I feel about something with wrestling. And that when they are course directing... Should I allow myself to be happy with the situation? Because if I look at just what is happening with Lashley right now, I enjoy it. But it is course it is course correcting after some really bad mismanagement of Lashley. 
And because of that, it makes it difficult to get on board when they want me to. And also the fact that I know at the end of this, it's probably just back to, to where it was before. So it's always, it's always a challenge. And I'm not very consistent with it very often. I, I do. Well, let me, let me put an end to the uh, suspense here. It, I will give it a rave. I do enjoy what's going on with Lashley right now. That was my opinion before you guys had started. And neither one of you really pulled. You, Blake didn't convince me to be positive, And Greg didn't put any doubt. They both, you both said exactly what I think. Um, but if I, if I just look at just right now. I do enjoy the pairing of MVP and Bobby Lashley. I enjoy MVP calling out the same things that we call out and even seeing Lana and saying this is another issue with Bobby Lashley, another detriment to his career. Um, it was clear a few weeks ago that when Lashley just started getting random wins on Raw that he was the next one that was going to challenge McIntyre. It's like Blake said, sometimes you got to pick and choose your battles. I don't know what the right call is half the time, man. I just know for right now, I'm not, I'm not, when Bobby Lashley and all of that stuff is happening, I don't feel like fast forwarding. And so that's how I just judge things now is, did I want to fast forward? Uh, so yeah, rate, rate for me. So I will add in, this is probably the first time that I've been in rant versus rave. And although I feel strongly towards everything I said, I'm not upset with your decision. Uh, Blake did bring up some very good points. Um, Blake, like I said, Blake brought up some very good points. Um, he agreed with some of my points. I agree with some of his points. And like you guys said, I think WWE right now, given the, the, the times we're in for sure, they're just, you know, throwing in people into these matches. And at the same time, I do have to think who else is there at the time. Um, this one's just hard for me. That's all. All right. So my number one rave for the week, I'm going to give it to SmackDown with Charlotte versus Bailey. I was excited going into this match, though it was another one of those times where, because we're programmed to expect certain shenanigans, which we still got to a degree, I kind of maybe wrote it off a little bit early on. Because I'm just thinking, okay, this ends with, with Sasha Banks. And so that was part of the genius of it for me, is that they kept teasing the Sasha Banks stuff for it to not actually happen. Also, at some point, I guess Charlotte Flair just lost her mind because she continued to laugh. I have no idea what was going on there, but it was definitely definitely caught my interest. I love that Bailey got the win here. Uh, she's, she's At this point, she's had such a good reign, I think. There's definitely been some duds in between, but if you just... If you look at what she's accomplished so far, she's doing great. And so I love that she got to finish. Um, there's a right time and a wrong time, I think, that, that roll-up was fine here for me. And Charlotte laughing was probably the perfect sell, probably the best sell for that kind of finish I've ever seen. Because it was still this cocky, like, I will beat the hell out of you if, if I need to. But also this, like, you got me. I have no so, idea Blake, what I'm she gonna... was thinking exactly because I really don't know if she was laughing because she's, she hates her or because she thought it was genuinely hilarious. So uh, before I get into it, ring the bell. 
I'm just kidding. Don't ring the bell. Uh, so you guys know that I said Bailey has scaled out on me and I wasn't getting behind the heel character. What I'm going to say is, and Roy said that he was okay with the roll-up. The roll-up won me back on Bailey, And this is why. I enjoy when there's a heel versus heel because you get the shenanigans of a heel by both people. The shenanigans. The shenanigans. The, the lawnmower threw me off. Um, so what I truly loved about this is she won in true heel fashion against the heel who's probably perfected the heel type of win. So that right there won me back on Bailey. I love that the whole Sasha and Bailey thing wasn't thrown down my throat and they didn't have Sasha come out and do something. They even, even if she walked out of the back just to distract Charlotte, um, I, I love that they hinted at it and we just didn't get it as much as I was like, yeah, this is happening. And I love that when we went backstage, we, we, we got the whole, oh, you didn't think I could do it, blah, 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 blah. And then she, she hurries up and changes it and goes, oh, I'm just playing with you. When you know she truly meant that she did that Sasha didn't think she could pull it off, and I like the the direction we're going with Bailey, and I I did enjoy it a lot. I had three points from this match, and Roy's is a very good one, very good choice. The three things that stood out to me are one, I came into this not knowing who was going to win. I didn't know if they would have Bailey win or Charlotte because Charlotte's been on every show, so. And she's just hard to beat. Charlotte's good. So I wasn't sure, and I really enjoyed coming to, coming into it not knowing which would win. The second thing that I enjoyed was the finish worked so well because I felt like that was the theme of the match. If you remember in the beginning, Bailey tried to use the ropes, and the ref caught her. And I thought it was great because right after, Charlotte used the ropes, and the ref didn't catch her doing it. And Bailey was like, what the hell, ref? Because he called out Bailey for doing it, but didn't catch Sasha, or didn't catch Charlotte doing the same thing. Then it ends with a roll up anyway, and Bailey using the ropes and not getting caught. I thought that was a genius way to kind of set the tone for this match. The third thing that stood out to me was the chops near the end. Bailey was chopping the hell out of Charlotte, and she's just laughing. At one point, I think she caught her in like the jaw or the cheek, and then Charlotte went off and started chopping the hell out of Bailey. I felt like they both had a great match, and it really was a it was a big turning point for Bailey as a champion to get this win against Charlotte. It felt like a pay per view match. My number one rave for this week is going to the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. I thought this was even better than the basketball segment. I love that they the Viking Raiders gifted the Street Profits with smoke. I thought that was hilarious. They had the little campfire going in the background. The cops show up, and of course it's because the Street Profits are so bad they're throwing these axes all over the place other than the bullseye. They're hitting all kinds of shit. Hit a cop car. And then Dawkins is like, yeah, I'll prove it wasn't me, and just throws it behind his back and hits a bullseye. I thought that was a cool twist on what happened last week. I'm really enjoying what they're doing here with these two teams. It's helping me out a lot with the Viking Raiders, who I wasn't really behind. And I think it's a genius use of these two tag teams right now. This one for me, I didn't, I didn't like as much as you, and I don't think it was better than last week. So I think it was really lazy, and I think that it was just the same as last week, but just reverse roles. I think that I feel like it was pretty. I feel like it was pretty lazy. I think there was a lot more they could have done. There's definitely parts that I enjoyed, and I did laugh at it. Uh, 
mostly with the cop involvement stuff. But I do I think it was pretty lazy. What did you think, Greg? So this one, um, I it didn't sway me either way. Like you said, it just felt like last week with a different you know game. Um, but like Blake said, I do actually really enjoy what they're doing with them. Um, it's a fun twist on something, you know, we've seen WWE do some things where, you know, the superstars try to prove they're better than the other with certain things. But I think this is a fun twist on it. Um, I enjoyed the whole basketball segment from last week. And I, like Blake said, I enjoy that they, they flipped the roles this week and it was pretty funny. Um, especially with the ending, like Blake said, with Dawkins, it was pretty much them saying, oh, we, we let you win and making all those baskets. So again, it wasn't. It wasn't a rant or a rave for me this week. I just, I just watched it and it didn't, it didn't go bad or good for me. Honestly, let me ask you guys one thing: from the second they said that they would be in an axe throwing challenge, did you guys not immediately know that the ending was that uh, the three prophets pretend that they don't know what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, oh, I absolutely that was, knew that. Yeah, and <laughs> and and I get that, but you know what? I, I'm trying so hard. Because we watched so much of this to not let that make me not enjoy it. And I laughed. They had a lot of moments where I thought were funny. I think the only missed opportunity they had here that I, I wish it went a different route was when the cops showed up. I was kind of hoping the cops showed up because they had more than 10 people. I thought that would have been a better twist. That would have been good. Did you give me a rave, Greg? Or I don't think so. No, no. it's my turn. It's my turn now. So... I'm going to preface this by saying exactly what Roy says at times. Sometimes I don't like anything for what it is. And sometimes I just like it because I like it. And I'm giving it to AEW for the return of hangman page. And I don't know why this went so well for me, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought at first when I saw a guy running out of the tunnel, that it was like some type of producer (laughs) or whatever, trying to get across the field and out of camera. Then I saw him turn at the 50-yard line and dart towards them. And my first thought was, this is Adam Page. And I don't know why, but I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that this man sprinted out of a tunnel, down from the 50-yard line, for a clothesline. It and went, still had a damn attitude. It, st- it went so well for me. I love the fact that he just sprinted 50 yards to clothesline a guy. All right, all right. My next rave, sorry, rant. Every, I have every fucking note possible right in front of me. I have rants and raves separated. I have three separate columns of our names written down that I tally off that is color-coded, and I still fuck this up. Unbelievable. <laughs> My next rant, Jameis, Jameis, what the <laughs> wow fuck it my next rant is Jameis I think Jameis put I think for all of the build that was put into Jameis and then for their first match to be in the tournament I enjoyed that and then they main evented and for Jameis to put on such a subpar match you gotta stop calling him Jameis and for Jameis to not even be able to commit to a finish just so that next week Jameis can get involved in Jameis's match, leading to Jameis 2. It's just too much. Okay. okay. Uh, if this had been anywhere else on the card, I probably wouldn't have thought much of it. But for it to close the show and for it to actually be a feud and for me to 
be paying more attention to Jeff Hardy in the way that I am, I was just very disappointed. This went pretty much exactly where I expected it with Sheamus. I mean, what a fail. The, the guy beat up a bunch of jobbers for four weeks. Michael Cole paid all the attention to Jeff Hardy, and then he got rolled up. Fun uh, fact. When Sheamus first came back, uh, I think Michael it was Michael Cole that said, the fella is back. And I remember I wrote on my notepad, the fella is back. I wrote that as the title for my notes for the week because I thought that that would end up being your quote. To this day, I title all of the all of the notes that I write for Rant and Rave Weekly. Every week it's called The Fella is Back. Fella is back. That title bolded, underlined, and enlarged. The Fella is Back. And yet you called him Jameis. The this, this is what? There he is. That was so loud. I, I have to keep adjusting my volume because Roy comes in low and you come in really high. And that time you came in really high. <laughs> so this one, it, it's bad that I – my first thought is, okay, uh, Jeff is winning this. It, I don't care about the match. And then Caden, who looks at me and goes, I don't want to watch this match. It's too obvious. And I was like, why do you think it's too obvious? I thought for sure this kid was going to go, Sheamus is going to win because he had all those squash matches and he saw all of them. He goes, Sheamus is going to lose. And although I like Jeff Hardy, I know he's going to win and it's too obvious. I don't want to watch it. He sat there and watched it and then goes, I knew it and walked away. <laughs> Sad. He's, he's already starting to get himself prepared for the life of a wrestling fan, especially in WWE. My... Which is great sometimes, but sucks when you come in with those expectations and you get those because we do deal with that a lot. My next rant's for NXT. It's going to the jobber crying in pain during every carrying cross suplex in their 60-second match. This is very specific. It is. You know what? It, I, I didn't want to say just an enhancement match because for carrying cross... It makes sense for a guy like this, a new character you're building, and a heel to have them. But, oh my god, was this overkill. He he suplexes this guy, and he's going, ah, 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 in pain. To the point where I'm like, this is not doing anything for Karrion Cross. This is making him look silly, and this is a guy who I'm really excited about. I didn't like it at all, and it stood out to me so much that it had to have been a regular rant this week and not an honorable mention. Well, okay then. I'm going to run off of that with NXT as well. And an enhancement match. No! Mia no more! God damn it, these for enhancement matches. Greg, do you actually because... have rants and raves prepared every week? I do. And I'm I, I tell feel you... like every time it's your turn, you say, I'm going to run he off of that. Bounces off. <laughs> no, I really do. And it, it's one, why are we giving Mia Yim enhancement matches? You're, I'm supposed to believe that she's gone from losing everything to now being the person who beats the shit out of jobbers and looking really good. No, I don't believe that at all. Then you have the Garganos come out and start beating the shit out of her. And I'm supposed to be behind a Mia Yim and Candice LeRae match. Then you have Keith Lee make the save on Mia Yim. So you take somebody that I truly love Throw him into this whole thing to save me a yim, which I don't understand why. I get that they're trying to build a Gargano and Keith Lee, and I'm I'm actually okay with that. But 
I don't want him to make a save for me again. That That's to me girlfriend. is it really? In real life, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay, I guess it kind of makes sense, but to me, no, it's, it's like I. No, I think it is because I'm not behind me again, and I don't want to see somebody I'm truly behind come out and make a save on somebody that means nothing. But it, it's like, okay, it's going to be every typical storyline in this fashion to me. We're going to have Candice LeRae versus me again, Gargano versus Keith Lee. We're going to have a freaking mixed tag team match. It, it was stupid that this is what we got out of an enhancement match today. It's weird that they've done nothing to tell you about Keith Lee and me again. Because for someone who doesn't know that, like Greg, he's going, why the hell is Keith Lee coming out here other than Gargano saying something about him? They didn't do a ton to show that they're together and they're a couple. But I will say, this enhancement match did give me the enjoyment of Johnny Gargano coming out and singing Mia Yim's theme music. I'll give them that. All right. My next rave is going to go to Dolph Ziggler, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, and Otis, did you have a last name? Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Brant versus Brave. All right. Uh, the the tag match I thought was fine. Fine. The reason that Ziggler, Sonya, Mandy, Dolph is such high priority for me right now is how much I love the storyline. How much I love this has been happening. But the main thing for me is it feels like this has been a driving force on TV evening, on Friday Night SmackDown, on free TV. And I've been thinking, I wish that they would design more storylines. A lot of the payoffs have been on TV, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the matches that they've had. I wish that they designed more storylines specifically with free TV in mind and not just design everything to culminate a match at a pay-per-view that way it feels like there's some importance to the weekly tv too and that's what these four have done for me week to week is i felt like there was a storyline that i could get some sort of progression to week to week and not just right before the pay-per-view so you know i don't really have to dig into the storyline too much i've really enjoyed this for the most part. I'm getting to the point where I'm getting bored. Very bored. Started last week. Or maybe it was two weeks ago. I'm sorry. With with Mandy and Sonya. Was that last week? I think it was two weeks ago. And then we got to this match. Which I was expecting was going to come. And it, it didn't deliver. For me. And neither did Mandy and Sonya. Unfortunately. As much as I wanted them to deliver. I remember... I believe it was Roy who said this, where he said, I'm enjoying this storyline, but I don't need to see matches from them in order to push the storyline. And I think we've probably gotten to a point where Roy was probably ready to see the matches part of it because the storyline had played out. But I think he was right. The matches really aren't doing it for me when it comes to the storyline. The story's been great. The matches have not. And I'm starting to really lose interest the more they do the matches. It's as sad as that makes me. I want to enjoy this, but I didn't. I didn't have fun with it. Okay, so um, question for Roy. Was your rant, or sorry, was your rave for the match or the progression of the storyline? Because I got a little bit of both out of you, and I just want to know because 
Blake's whole thing was, I didn't like the match, but I enjoyed the storyline. So I did specifically uh, just name the four names because it is mostly about them. Okay. The, the match so, itself, I wouldn't say is a rave, but I, I also probably wouldn't have wrote it as a rant because the other stuff around it is what got me through that match. Uh, I, Mandy and Sonia were awful together, I think. I didn't feel like they had good chemistry. and um, But I also want them to have these opportunities to try and grow. But And so this is something that I think when I, I actually thought when I was watching it. I'm watching Mandy. And I'm like, okay, we're investing in Mandy. They're trying to do the storyline. And she's not doing great in the ring. And I think to myself, we'll give her a chance. She's got to learn. And then I also think to myself, why is WWE hiring wrestlers that have to learn to wrestle? And so that part, you wanna, it all starts to fall apart at that point. Um, but yeah, these four personalities have been something that I look forward to every Friday night. And it's, it's their feud for me that has been a rave and it just it happens to be that they were in a tag match so i kind of have to include that in some capacity i feel like because how can i say i like these but you know what i mean okay Uh, no the match was not the match was not very good but specifically what what i would say is i love having feuds on weekly tv that are kind of having their arcs on weekly tv even though we had the money in the bank with otis and stuff that was an unexpected turn to it just like feeling like something can happen on regular TV. Okay, so um, my decision, and it's because Blake pretty much raved about what Roy is raving about. Um, it's it's a rave. Um, I will agree with both of you that the match wasn't anything I can do without matches right now, and I can do batch, backstage segments and attacks and whatnot. Um I did go into this match saying that Sonya and Dolph were winning. Um, I went into this match saying Mandy was eating the pin. Um, the matches are much are, are very much predictable. Um, so, I, again, that's why I was asking which it was towards. Because had it been towards the match, it was definitely a rant for me. Uh, but I am enjoying the storyline. I wish that they would do something in ring that will entertain me and get me more interested. But, again, I'm still every week, week to week, excited when they announce when a segment between these four are coming up or even two of the four um i mean hell sonia's promo last week really got me into it uh so i again it's a rave i i, I enjoy the progression of the story all right my next rave for this week is going to aw and it's going to be the match between orange cassidy and ray phoenix orange cassidy every time i see him I have a ton of fun because of his character, and he shows me stuff in the ring where I go, wow, this guy could actually really wrestle, too. He's not just some joke character. He's got some talent. Ray Phoenix is another guy where has extraordinary talent. So I wasn't surprised to see Ray Phoenix show off in this match, but some of the stuff that Orange Cassidy does, I was like, wow, okay. Like It reminded me of the match with him and Pac. I'm like, this guy is pretty good. I really enjoyed this match. It was very fast-paced. Ton of action. I think Cassie's underrated, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Casino Battle Royal. Orange Cassidy and Ray was very high on my list. Probably would have been my next one. I think they put on a great match. The only thing I had written down to complement that was uh, Kip Sabian and his T-shirt interrupting the match. Because I, I thought his T-shirt was hilarious for some reason. How do you find a way 
to get Kip Sabian in this. It's written right here, man. It says Ray versus Orange, Kip Sabian. <laughs> Ironically, the one in the match is the one who got his full name written down. <laughs> so th- that was actually that was actually my next one. Um, really? So I'm going to go with uh, my next one's going to be AEW as well. It's the Darby Allen promo. Uh, I know Roy's going to find a way to throw Kip Sabian into this. Um, I I really enjoyed I what Kip this. Sabian was doing during that promo. He was someone was wearing his mask. Um, so I I really enjoy this thing with Darby where he he makes these masks of their faces and just puts them on random people and does things with them. Um, this one went over very well for me because with it being double or nothing, and in the promo, Darby is going all in. And he's he he climbs the ladder at the end to say I'm going all in that I'm winning this, and then he's on fire like he sets it on fire. So to me, it's a symbolism of he's ready to burn shit down to get his top opportunity. Um, the fact that this guy was on fire with no protective suit that bothered me a lot because I personally have caught on fire before on a job, and it was the scariest goddamn thing of my life. So the fact that this guy's just standing there on fire. That has balls. Um, I also really enjoy that Darby can do promos and video packages without actually saying a word at times. So this this went very well for me. Okay. I think I forgot to put your point down. I apologize. All right. My next rant is going to go to Loomis Loss on NXT. Ooh. I mean, you said the Loomis loss, so I agree with that. I really enjoyed what they did overall, but I'm going to let you continue because you said the Loomis loss, and I think he should have got a win. I enjoy Loomis. He's been very interesting to me so far. With a loss now, we're going to take that down about 20%, which I think is exactly what they want to do. They want to be the world of everybody's mediocre, nobody excels, everybody's on the, everybody's exactly even. It's how they seem to like it. I didn't. I fail right now to see the story or any kind of progression. I just. I don't see the point in him losing. I didn't see it uh, uh, Wednesday, and I can't imagine. I mean, what we get a mixed tag? That's what we get out of it. That's not a reason for a character like Loomis to have his first loss. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I agree with you here. Oh, sorry, Blake. Um. I agree with you here. I think all three of us um, are on the same page with Loomis. Um, I'm thoroughly interested in this guy. Again, I'm still wait- waiting on some sort of a background. Um, I'm liking the suspense on this. This is getting me uh, more excited for his character. The suspense isn't as stupid as something in a goddamn cage for three months. Um, I, I, I like love- that cage. <laughs> I love the fact that this guy, from entrance to match just stares a hole through the person and you don't know what this guy is thinking the whole time he's just constantly staring at you and i feel like that's a huge form of intimidation that's got to get into people's heads so i enjoy that um again the match it kind of makes me upset that he lost but i thoroughly enjoyed the aftermath and i think that that did some credit to him uh to keep holding roderick in that hold and constantly get kicked in the head and just continue to stare and then it ending with him literally just rubbing Roderick's head that was so creepy to me that it went over so well to me so I'm not 
upset as much because I don't think he lost much out of this. I think they still built towards his character, but I still think it was too soon for him to take a loss. I think Roy makes a good point here, and I love the way you worded it, the Dexter loss, because I came out at the end not really losing anything for Dexter Loomis because he looked... It, it was kind of a cool thing that they did, like Greg mentioned, with the kicks and everything. It That helped him. But yeah. this was such a big opportunity for a big Dexter Loomis win. Roderick Strong was the North American champion at a decent reign. He's definitely a very good wrestler. And everything made more sense for Loomis to win here. And what Roy said, it makes me think, like, what is the arc for this character? Like, what is what is his peak? Was it just a match with Roderick Strong? Because when you have him lose here... That's kind of what it feels like. And I think what Roy is doing is he's kind of preparing himself for that failure of really enjoying Dexter Loomis and knowing that it may not go anywhere. And although that might not be the best outlook, as wrestling fans, we kind of have to have that outlook sometimes. I hope we're wrong. I like what they've done with Loomis. But they do have a lot of characters in this position right now where you don't know where they're going to go. And I think Loomis may be the odd man out. You know another issue? Um, the, the loss being used on Roderick Strong. I think every, for me personally, there's going to be a lot of people that disagree. I think every member of the Undisputed Era needs some kind of refresh, because they, all of them are boring the hell out of them. Yeah, they they have gotten very stale, in my opinion. And they're not people I dislike. I mean, yep. I, I you guys know where where my heart is with all of that. But these last, these last couple months with them, they're just so boring to me. I, I agree with that with UE. I got really behind them, and I almost feel like this match was to protect Roderick. Then the ending was to, I feel like next week we're getting Loomis and Fish. Um, I, I have this feeling it's building more towards Adam Cole, but to have him lose to Roderick right off the bat and that be the first person he goes against, it would have made more sense to have Bobby Fish than Roderick. Um, I, I just I can't help but to feel like it was protecting Roderick right now. Yeah, but I don't know why you would protect Roderick. I mean, he's had a yeah. North American title reign. There's no, I've I said this a while ago. I think UE needs to go to either Raw or SmackDown, and I know that might be wishing death upon their careers as we've seen. But in NXT, they did it. They had all the gold. What what's next? They get all the gold back? I don't want to see that again. There's nothing left. They they need to be putting over guys like Dexter Loomis and Dream. This is why we wanted Cole to lose to Dream. This is why we wanted Strong to lose to Loomis. And then make their move forward to either Raw or SmackDown at this point. Trying to rebuild them with wins over guys we need to see that are new, I think it's a bad call. And what NXT's doing right now is they're not really pushing anybody to a certain point. You know, they just keep having people win, lose. And win, that's what I said. Win, Everybody lose. has to be completely yeah, even. They're can't even. Have a standout. We're all climbing the ladder here. There's 15 wrestlers, and they're all in the same spot. Because one gets above the other one, then he gets knocked back down. And it doesn't work. You need to have people that you are pushing that are coming out ahead. And the, I mean, the perfect example of that is the, the tournament they're holding. There's three guys with the same damn record. Like, okay. I saw something like that coming, but I wasn't expecting three guys. Um, and, and to explain the Roderick thing, you guys kind of touched on why I feel that way. I almost feel like they're still so behind UE that they, they don't want them to take losses because they want the fans to be super excited about them still. When they, they have stale, they've done everything. The, these single matches without anything really on the line 
just feels like mid-card matches now, and I don't want to see Undisputed in mid-card matches. But I also feel like they don't want Undisputed to be taking losses because they feel like that's the best thing they got going for them right now. So my final rant of the week is going to AEW, and it's going to be both the promo from John Moxley and from Brody Lee leading into this title match. And I put them both together, despite them being separate, because I felt like neither one was up to par and did anything for me coming into this match. <sighs> Unfortunately, the Birdie Lee promo, I, I hated having these thoughts, but I kind of was like, you know what? Maybe WWE was right in not having him be a big title picture guy. And, and I, I don't want to feel that way off one promo, because I do think he's got a lot of talent and he could, and he's got a good character, but the promo wasn't very good. It was very average, and I need more from somebody who has a chance of taking your main title. So average probably isn't too, too far off from the truth. I definitely don't think it's straight towards bad. And in fact, I actually had Brody Lee's promo on my rings. Okay. I really like the the start of. I, it may be difficult to fathom but I'm not a god. I love that. Uh, the audience heckling him throughout. I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch it and see if I see what you saw. But I, I enjoyed Brody's, Brody's promo, at least. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get a good vibe from either one. Moxley's is more... This this character, I get it, but it it's all over the place. It's... We touched on this a little bit last week where Moxley's this badass, yet this guy has your belt, and you're just letting it happen. Yeah, and I know they to tried Brody to fix Lee. it this week a little bit, but no, 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 it still no. didn't. No, they didn't. He still just let him walk out with the title. Well, he they tried to fix it by Moxley going, okay, well, instead of chasing you, I'm going to break Ten's arm to kind of make Moxley look cool, and it didn't work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. They tried to fix it, but it didn't work, and... It Brody Lee, I agree. It didn't. It was this was more for Moxley, because Moxley, you you need to have good promos from Moxley. He is the champion. He is the face right now of your company. But I didn't think Brody Lee's was very good either. He seemed almost a little thrown off by the the heckling. Uh, the heckling. Yeah, I yeah. thought so too. And and that bothered me a little bit because if you're not handling the heckling from these guys. How are you going to handle the heckling from a full crowd? And maybe maybe that is what threw him off. The heckling is from wrestlers. I thought about that, too. Yeah, and his colleagues. So maybe that may be weird. I don't know. But I didn't get a good vibe from either promo. And I needed one coming into this match. All right. My last rant is going to go to Raw. And it's going to be the Iconics versus Bliss and Cross. So, again, we get... The whole 50-50 stupid shit. You have them beat them for a non-title match, but then you have a stupid-ass finish in the actual title match where, you know, you have the disqualification because she keeps slamming her shoulder into the ring post. How many times have we seen that consistently done in a match and the ref has never called it off? It's, it's the most bullshit finish to have the Iconics lose in that fashion after beating them last week where they didn't have to go off like that, it, it makes no sense to me. I'm excited that the Iconics are back. I think it's too soon to throw the titles back on them. But I think this is a bullshit finish to a title match, especially when you do the whole we can beat you in a non-title match. But when it comes to the titles, 
all of a sudden the team that was not better than you is is out of nowhere better than you. And it's not even that they beat you. You beat yourselves. I hate that shit. That was a rave for me too, buddy. Or a rant. Rant, motherfucker. God damn it. You know, you know, this whole R and R thing was was a touch on Roy, and I feel like he those rant and raves, man, they're tricky for him sometimes. He's having a battle. Are they are they breaking up the iconics? What? Are they breaking up the iconics? What do you mean by that? The slap and everything. Did you see that? Are they bringing them up? No, are they breaking them up? Oh, I, who cares? I'm bored already. They did the same match two weeks in a row. Yeah, we knew it. We called it last week. I'll give my my last rave to the the women's tag match with one AEW with Baker, Nyla, Sheeta, Statland. Even with the the injury to Baker. First of all, one of the things that uh, Antonio and I talked about going into this match was who is going to win. And we started going down all the tropes and we started to realize, well, there's like 10 different directions that can happen. So that's why we were excited right away because it was a match where no finish was going to upset me. And I also didn't know who was going to take the pin, who was going to get the pin. I didn't know how it was going to play out. And I was actually happy with the way that it ended. I was glad that we got an ending. And throughout the match, I thought they all looked great. So with this one, like you said, I actually went down a list of things of what could happen. Um, I, in a way, felt that Britt would turn on Nyla and somehow inject herself into the match as a triple threat at All In. There was a part of me that thought the whole thing was going to break down since they had that... uh, four-way match last week and it would end up being a four-way title match i'm glad it had a finish the way it did i'm upset Britt baker got injured but i i don't think either team looked bad to me my final rave of the week is going to nxt and straight drake maverick defeating kushida this is a match came into wasn't really sure how it was going to go down this whole maverick storyline has been just twisting me all over the place because I didn't know where it was going to go from the start. I thought he was just going to lose. Then we got to this point. I'm like, Kushida is one of their main players on NXT that doesn't take very many losses. I think this is only the second loss I've ever seen Kushida take. And I'm like, I don't know if they're going to have Drake beat him just for the storyline. So I was automatically intrigued by that. And I think they did really well. This was a really good match. I, I love how well Maverick sold the arm. And I love the finish and the way Jake Maverick pulled it off. I like Jake Atlas coming out and giving support to Maverick because at the end of the day, commentary didn't say it, but this was more about Atlas getting in that three-way tie than it was about Drake Maverick winning. You know, they made it seem like Atlas is is pulling for Maverick because he's his buddy and all that. Bullshit. This is going to end up being a turn for Atlas. He's going to do something to Maverick, I think. And I like that. I think that's pretty cool. I'm down with that. This was, this was fun, and I think what Drake Maverick did, this was proof of a guy who was not utilized at all on the roster, and he was able to show how talented he really is, and I think that was really cool. We don't get to see that a lot of times, and I'm glad he was able to establish that in this match. So I think with this one, it's finally opened my eyes, and as much as I am behind Drake Maverick, 
I feel like he doesn't lose his job if he doesn't get the title. I think he's proven enough as to why he should be around. Um, even if they do switch him over to 205 Live as a competitor, I think he definitely deserves it. Um, I subscribe to the same thought as you, Blake, with the he just wanted Maverick to tie. But I complete. I, I think the complete opposite as far as Atlas doing something to him I think with the way Drake is opening his eyes to everything, I think he realizes that that's why Atlas was pulling for him. And he basically did something for Atlas and he gets the pin over Atlas. Yeah. That, that way Kushida doesn't take another loss in, in that fashion. And I think that Drake pins Atlas and wins. What do you got for your rave, right? So my final rave this week, um, I'm going to give this one to, I'm actually going to give this one to Theory, Seth, and Murphy. Um, with this one, I know it was, it was the same fashion as picking up Buddy Murphy. He was down and out, and Seth picked him up. Um, but that, that seems to just be Seth's MO. So he took a guy who just got his ass kicked, the faction he was in, and you know, he had he he fucked up. He he hit Angel Garza by accident and they went off on him and he's laying there beaten up and bruised and Murphy's getting his ass kicked by uh, Alistair. So he sends theory into it. And I like the fact that I, I like it when we get a beat down on somebody and we don't get a save from it. Um, during this whole segment, I, I was expecting somebody was coming out and making a save. I was expecting that so much to the point that I almost felt like there was going to be some type of face turn and it was, or maybe not even a face turn, but since theory is involved that Garza and Andrade were going to come out and, and make a save, not, not for the, the sake of saving Alistair, but for the sake of beating out uh, Austin down again. Um, I enjoy that. It didn't end that way. I'm, I'm, the last couple of weeks, I'm getting more and more behind Seth again. I felt like this character, you know, took a bad turn for a little bit, and I feel like it's building back up. I like the fact that he's, you know, recruiting more disciples. Um, although the MO is a little, you know, I, I think it's old. I think it's cheesy. I think, you know, it worked the first time, but if this is how we're going to keep doing it, it's going to become way too predictable. Honestly, this one came out of left field because I didn't even realize Austin Theory was still outside of the ring. Um, whereas last time I realized Buddy Murphy was, and I wasn't expecting him to, you know, essentially change his path. Um, but I, I liked this segment. I thought that it was, it was a very good, you know, ending and, and I enjoyed the fact that Seth is building back up again. What was your guys' favorite show this week? Mm. This one's actually hard for me. Monday Night Raw. I, I do think I have to go with Monday Night Raw on this one. And honorable mentions for ranked Greg. What do you got? Um, I got a few. I'm only going to do two. I don't want to take too many away. Um, I'm going to go with, I think it was, you know, I, I'm getting really tired of seeing the same shit over and over and over. So Shayna versus Natalia again. Um, and then the, although the, the, I don't know what to say anyway. The, the Naya and Asuka thing is just something that doesn't go over for me anyway. So that's I'm not going to touch on it too much. Okay, so I only had one rent left, and that was the uh, 
the whole celebration with Oscar and the Nia thing. I actually I was happy to see Nia, and I've never been happy to see Nia because the celebration was really bad. Oscar has a lot of character, and I think she's fun most of the time. This one was kind of boring, and it was like, all right, when is this ending? Greg, I'm curious, and and Roy, I'm not sure if you saw this either. Do you know that next week for the number one contendership match is going to be Nia Jax, Charlotte, and Natalia in a triple threat? Yeah, Nia pins Natalia. Why is Natalia in there? So that, uh, so that Nia can pin her. Uh, it's just interesting to me that Natalia would be the one in that match, considering Absolutely. she's been getting two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, and all she did was throw a temper tantrum, and now she's in that match. That's yeah, weird. you would think it was Shayna. Well, of course they want to protect Shayna, so we can't have Shayna in that match. It's just weird logic. WWE needs to kind of step back and look at some of that because I think it it makes them look silly. Honorable mentions on rant for me. I want to double back to the Natalia, Shayna, and I just want to point out the fact that uh, both of our women's matches were three matches from the week before. That really pissed me off. Uh, Drew in the one, two, three. Please let it go, man. I hate it. I hate it so much. And it's even worse with no fans. Please stop. Yeah. And uh, a controversial opinion incoming. I think that face Tomasa Champa is one of the worst fucking promos that I've ever heard in all of wrestling. He talks so slow, and he just flips open the like generic catchphrase handbook and spits out whatever he points to. I, I don't think it was one of the worst ever, but I do enjoy heel Champa a lot more than face Champa. But I am looking forward to the match. What do you got for honorable mentions on the rave side, Greg? Um, I got uh, Apollo Crews. Um, I'm I I said it before, and I'm I get why they did it. It was you know he didn't need to be in that ladder match. I truly think he's our next United States champion. I think he gets a win over Andrade. I love the fact that this guy has pretty much sat dormant for the last three or four years, whatever it's been. You know, we we had him in, you know, and essentially a squash match here and there. But the fact that they're using somebody that I enjoyed when he first came around and they're actually utilizing this guy and it's not in the fashion of the others where he gets a win here or there. This guy actually is showing intensity and drive towards something. And I, I'm loving it. I'm loving Cruz. Um, I, I did enjoy the Drew and Corbin match a lot. Um, again, I think Corbin puts on a great match, no matter who it's against. And I'm just super behind drew. And my last one is going to be, um, although we touched on it and said, we're not really behind either one. I'd like the different promo from Sean Spears. I liked the whole news thing. Um, I think saying that, uh, Dustin retired and everything was kind of dumb. Um, but in a way it also got me thinking that I missed something. So I even Googled it, um, and there was nothing that he retired, and then they even said it on commentary. But I, for the fact that it actually got me to think for a second, like, he didn't retire. Wait, did he? Um, I, I enjoyed it, and it was different. I, I did enjoy the newscast type thing. Bouncing off of that, I, I like that he just said, well, I'm going to say this match now. It has to happen. Because mentally for me over the years, I've always tried to justify it that way when these random matches always pop up after challenge. In my head, when I try and 
make excuses or maybe fill in the blank, but I always think, well, maybe it's just that they don't want to false advertise and lead people to it. And so in the world of wrestling, that's why that happened. And so for him to directly make that happen, I thought that was funny. What do you got, Blake? The fact that right after that, uh, the commentators, like, it was literally a second later, and they're like, the match is made official. I'm like, all right, come on. I'm going to give one to the Brand Invitational. This week it gave me two fantastic matches, and it was a good start to it. I I really enjoyed Corbin and McIntyre. One thing that stood out to me, we've talked about the Charlotte Bailey match, of course, and the McIntyre Corbin match as well. One thing that stood out to me was King Corbin very distraught over the way he's being treated on Raw. They did not treat the King with any respect. He hated that he had to walk across and get his own food. Apparently that is not how it's done on SmackDown, and he's treated very fairly there. Raw needs to get it together if they're going to continue to invite the King over. I uh, laughed when he then transitioned into like coercing the ref. He's like, you really did a bad job. All right, here's how we're going to play it. Yeah. And I'm like, does this work? That he's so confident to do this? How often are they having conversations with these referees? I think it was a good start to, to the Invitational. And it, as long as they don't overdo it, they can have some fun stuff like this. On to something that I thought was an Invitational and turned into AJ Styles completely being on SmackDown now, which I think is a good move. I really enjoyed the match between him and Shinsuke. I loved the counter to the triangle choke, and then he countered it with a Styles Clash. I thought that was really unique and fun. And I think these two put on put on a pretty good show. AJ and Daniel Bryan is what I want to see in the finals of that Intercontinental. Just like Roy said, I hope we get it. That's, that's if I could, awesome. sorry. That's okay. Right. If I could, yeah. Didn't you tell me you want to talk about your son or some shit? Oh, shit. I did forget about that. Wow. Let me, I'll, I'll let you go, Roy, and I'll run down his list. But if I could, real quick, just add one more rant to my thing. Um, I, my rant is going to be Colby's uncle is sitting outside with a shirt off right now. All right. Rant, rant noted. <laughs> All right, go go ahead and get your paper, sir. I'm getting the paper now. Oh, he closed his book. Where the fuck is it? No. And this is why you are the unprofessional. Okay, I got yes, it. That's true. Okay, so okay. I'm just going to quickly run down the list because I don't know his reason behind it. So we're going to go with rants. Do you want to uh, explain? Do you want to like explain what what exactly you're doing? Okay, so uh, <laughs> calm down. So, essentially, we would like to have a segment called Caden's Corner because my son has decided that he enjoys the podcast. He enjoys the the format we have. So, each week when he watches with me, he started to make his own list. Unfortunately, the way that things are working out right now, I only have him during the week and he's at his grandparents on the weekend. So, he's not here to do it himself. So, each week I'm going to add on to the honorable mentions, Caden's honorable mentions. Uh, this week for Rants, he had Murphy versus Umberto. Don't know why, but he did. Wow. He had Asuka and Naya, Bobby and our truth uh, the Iconics versus Nikki and uh, Bliss. Did not enjoy Raw. <laughs> Alistair versus Murphy's disqualification. Moxley versus 10. Uh, and Otis and Peach. Peach. Uh, lose to Sonya and Dolph. <laughs> on his raves, Edge accepts Randy's challenge. No! Natalia versus Baszler. 
I need to teach this kid some things. What's happening here? Apollo Cruz, uh, Andrade, that whole match. Okay. Uh, he 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 wrote Art Anderson, and Jake this Jake the Art Shake Anderson. Greg, Greg, Greg. Yes, <laughs> that kid's gonna suck. I, I hear Antonio losing it in the background. <laughs> this man wrote the Art shake. Anderson and Jake the Shake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it got better. Um, that's almost as good as H. H. Um, H and Jake the Shake. He wrote Miz and John. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Drip Drip. Uh, I don't know what this says. I'm assuming it has to do with Shinsuke, and it also says Shake. Um, <laughs> he just kept writing Shake. <laughs> Uh, and I can't, uh, I can't read his handwriting on the last two. It looks like Bailey something and Jeff Hardy. Okay. But he, he didn't like Jeff Hardy. He told me earlier that he didn't want to watch that and he was bored. No, he likes Jeff Hardy. He didn't want to watch it because it was too predictable and he knew Jeff was going to win and he hates Sheamus. So, but let's, again, the best rave of the week, guys, is Art Anderson versus Jake the Snake. That Jake the Shake, it is. I mean, Jake the Shake, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. My honorable mention for Rave, I really enjoy the setup of Miz and Morrison versus Braun. The first couple of title matches are always throwaways for me, so if you just find a way to make me at least interested, I'm happy. And I'm happy with Miz and Morrison versus Braun because Miz and Morrison have been highly entertained throughout. Uh, and then my other honorable mention goes to Natalia for throwing away the Kevin Owens show set because it's trash, just like Kevin Owens. In last place this week, we have NXT. In third place this week, Friday Night SmackDown. Your winner, Dynamite!